1: Do you have a podcast or were you interested in starting a podcast? Well, then you got to check out Libsyn.com. We host our podcast on Libsyn.com because of it's easy setup. It's wonderful global distribution and customized branding for as little as $5 a month. You can get started today. Sign up using promo code crit and get two months free. Take your podcasting to the next level with excellent hosting from Libsyn.com today. We're going to be discussing the upcoming Spelljammer Adventures in Space release by Wizards of the Coast through the lens of the original material Dungeons and Dragons Spelljammer Adventures in Space second edition. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin.
2: I am your co host, Ian.
1: And I am your co-host, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. If you haven't figured it out, we are here to discuss Spelljammer Adventures in Space, which is a, an older campaign that is now being brought forth to Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. What does spell jamming feel like uh. for any spellcaster at the helm? They must deal with two simultaneous realities. That sounds so cool. The first is the awareness of their body and the events around them as it expands out beyond their their physical being, though they can't move or can't cast spells without breaking contact with the spell jamming device but the second reality is the large expanse of consciousness the spellcaster feels the spell jammer vessel as an extension of their body god that sounds awesome (laughs) even the atmospheric envelope which is really cool by the way and And gravity uh, uh, plane uh, 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 uh. it creates right so now we're getting into some really technical stuff (laughs) if this critical link (laughs) is broken the vessel becomes inoperable now first off the bat we're getting into this what do you guys think about this potential campaign setting before we start delving into the lore and the details
2: well i know in multiple ways they found different methods to like Bridge that have different sides together, like like Eberon, for example. It yep. was like one world and Forgotten Realms another. It's like, oh, these are all different inside different spheres. Yep. That you can travel between.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: What about you? I'm excited for D D in space. Got <laughs> it. Okay. But what I didn't know was the whole uh if if you're a spellcaster, you you need the spell jammer to cast spells.
1: No, you need this a spellcaster to make the thing work
0: either it's just either... a floating piece of
1: wood in space. It doesn't even float. Well, I guess in space it would. Yep. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Which means somebody that's piloting it is effectively controlling that instead of their normal character mechanics. So a
2: fighter could not could control not do it. a spell.
1: But a evocation one probably could, I think. Shoot. Like, David Meldish had
2: David had like a spell specifically to refill the oxygen inside the spell chair. Yep. <laughs> oh, we need to breathe. Yep. So...
1: There's a lot of good stuff. Wow. Um, I want to. I want to read this quote from you from the AD&D Adventures in Space Spelljammer. In Spelljammer, everything that you know about space is wrong. Is wrong. Damn right, Ian. Infinite space, stars as flaming spheres of superheated plasma, movement through space as a balance of scientific force, thrust providing acceleration and maneuverability, scientific fact backing up natural phenomenon, life on other planets built along uh, the blocks of carbon and silicon elements. Forget all that.
2: It's wrong. It's
1: wrong. Period. And that is one of the opening lines in the book. Why do you think that is?
2: Because that's not how it is.
1: Right. And you're <laughs> going to have people that are going to try to do that, aren't they?
0: Yep. Oh, bring the whole science They're thing They're going to try to bring He's standing in water. Does it. lightning
1: bolt do extra damage? Piss off. <laughs> no, it's magic. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that needs to be set in. I bet you that same quote will be in the new book. It probably needs to be. It there, needs yeah. to be because you're gonna have somebody that's going to say, "Oh, I got repelling Eldritch Blast. I should be able to fly through space on my own. Pew 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 pew." You know,
0: the moment
1: the spell jammer, <laughs> 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 your lungs fly out of your out of your body. Is that what happens? Everything we know is wrong.
2: Actually, no. Even I say you. Bur-
1: I say they burn and they burst into flames. What the fuck? What that sounds cooler than just like bleh, you're exploding. What do you think?
2: Actually, you don't explode in space. You, it's the fact there's no air pressure. But anyway,
1: <laughs> everything you know about space is wrong.
2: No, I'm just saying in the I'm saying in the real world that's not how that works.
1: Yeah, we're not talking about the real world because everything you know is wrong. I know. Do you see what I'm talking about? We're already talking real world physics
2: and make believe. But you're playing up real world physics,
1: but, but that's but that's the point, right? <laughs> that's the point um so for all of you big science nerds and uh, D nerds <laughs> fuck off. you're gonna have that's to pick one or the other
0: <laughs> you're just trying to say it the nice way
1: yes <laughs> welcome to the spell jammer universe and what is a spell jammer
2: but uh, first off mm, there actually is an actual ship called Spelljammer within the Spelljammer setting that's a legendary m- Manta Raid in which occasionally people are captain, but that's not what you want yes. to talk about. Yep, we're <laughs> not
1: talking about the legendary ship. Nope. But spe- I'm glad you included that because I didn't.
2: Yeah, because the Spelljammer campaign setting expands the traditional fantasy setting system across multiple realms of all the varieties. It adds freshness to any and all fantasy worlds by connecting them together through the endless space. Originally, the worlds such as Torrel, Kryn, Oryth were all just a start, the place where you played. But this designs it in a way that allows the characters to venture from one world to another, similar to plane shifting.
1: Yes, um, and that actually, that's a really important thing. So there's a couple comments in the chat about having high hopes, also great concerns, and um, not Dulcinia saying she's not typically a fan of space. Um, and I think the the focus is to not think about it as traditional space. Um, and I think if you think about it as an opportunity to expand on your experiences of D&D, you move away from the traditions of go in the dungeon and kill the monster. Now it goes to go into the asteroid and kill the monster. Yep. Or go to a planet and hunt this person down. You know, it changes it um, because you can now make any rules you want. For those worlds. And expand upon it. For everyone. Imagine this. This is what I hope happens. And this is just Justin's thoughts. Everyone (laughs) Uh, and their mother has created a homebrew world. Yep. What if there's a massive list put together. Through like Obsidian Portal for instance. Where they're all linked together. Where you could pick a world that somebody else created and visit it Based on the details provided through that campaign tracker.
2: That would be kind of cool. How
1: cool would that be? So not only do you get the traditional Kryn and and Forgotten Realms Toril, but we instantly can expand to stuff for Magic the Gathering, for instance, right? Yep. Um, We had an episode back uh, with Plane Shifters. Yep. Where we talked about some of that stuff. But imagine the amount of worlds that you could experience, the different styles of play. Going to a world where just setting foot on it, reset your memory after a day of being there. Oof. And the longer you're there, the more – the longer the memory erasure effect happens. Oh, it sucks. And you didn't know about it because you just discovered it. That is why I think Spelljammer is such a big deal and
2: so much fun. Plot twist. You've already been there a week. Even though you thought you, you thought just it was got like there. a day.
1: Because <laughs> oh your memory keeps being erased. <laughs> but that's, that's what I'm, I'm talking about. It. Oh, so I can't read the blue text there, but fantasy version of Treasure Planet. Why not just Treasure Planet? That's mad. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. just a world you can go to. The idea of landing fantasy characters on earth just sounds amazing. They come here to stop the effing Nazis or something. You know what I mean? How cool would that be? Mages and spellcasters landing on earth fighting effing Nazis. I think that's cool. Anyways, Brandon, do you want to expand a little bit on this? Yeah. Yeah. You get excited (laughs) about a lot of things, but this is. Well, what can I say? It's very exciting. Uh,
0: This all allows the GM and the characters to experience a diversity in creatures, physics, and magic, as he's pointing out. Yes. (laughs) Uh, All within the same campaign. Each world is uh, treated as unique, hidden solar systems with secrets ready to be revealed. Each world is self-contained within what is known as a crystal sphere.
1: Which you pointed out earlier. Yep. As in, like, an atmosphere. No, that's no. like that's like they, that's what the solar, that's what they have in of solar systems. So imagine if your your galaxy, our galaxy, imagine our galaxy, and it had a, a literally a crystal around it, like, like a globe. Um, oh, if you seen Men in Black, remember like when the, the guys playing marbles? marbles? Exactly yeah. like that. That's the first that. thought I had. But it's instead of a galaxy, it's a a solar system, right? Yeah.
0: Oh my god! Using the <laughs> magical vessels known as spell jammers, the characters can pierce the crystal spheres from. One world to the next. That sounds kind of dangerous.
2: Yeah. It, it,
1: but that's the point, right?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Travelers must be wary as each world's deities... Devi- Can you
1: smash into it if you don't successfully pierce it?
0: Guess not. That's why I was Could you imagine just like
1: splatters of goo on this?
0: <laughs> you shatter Everyone has to make a deck save. <laughs> all, all the sharp objects are just flying everywhere.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: well, what was Travelers must be wary uh, as each world's deities devise the magical laws that govern the crystal sphere's reality. Lack of understanding can mean the end of any voyage. Up is down.
2: Left is right.
1: (laughs) So that kind of touches on what I was discussing a second ago, right? Yep.
2: Uh, I think I remember at one point where people were talking about, oh, you were a cleric? Your god was in this uh, crystal sphere. You're now in this one where the god's not the, there. <laughs> and actually, the, the books and stuff touch on that quite extensively. Yep.
1: Um, a, a Dark Sun World, which is, by the way, is one that I want to delve back into. I have not been there since fourth edition. Hey, hey. But in Dark Sun, the gods are dead. There's no... There's no source of
0: divine uh, magic. Divine magic. Nope. Is that to say, like, if there's a warlock with a patron from a different area and they. Psst, power gone. That sounds. So imagine really that's bad. the person
1: piloting the spelljammer. <laughs> so what do we learn? You know who doesn't get it? The paladin doesn't. Or not the paladin. The cleric doesn't get to pilot shit. The that warlocks be? don't get to pilot you're, it. Do you you're know why? There,
0: you're feeling special. like, the yeah, this is great. You crash through that crystal,
1: all the the whole chip <sighs> just kind of. and flies into the into What's going on? What's going on? Nothing's happening! <laughs> <laughs> but that's the sort of things that make for an exciting games, right? Yep. A player wouldn't expect that sort of thing unless you, you they had thought about it like, you know, we have. Because we're weird like that. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, with the aid of spell jamming technology, and it is a technology that's... Mag- magic, psi magic,
2: it's a mix. And apparently, the spell jam is only made by one race, the arcane. So, <laughs> yes,
1: that's actually a really important thing that I don't know that I pointed out. <laughs> so, with the aid of the spell jam- jamming technology, the vessels and their travelers can move between the uh, uh, not only the crystal spheres, but planets within the same, same sphere, right? Yep, with little time and effort. So, not only does this mean that we can now Um, jump to different world, uh, different universes, basically. But you can jump into different worlds within the same universe, right? Yep. So you can. There's kind of a a standardization that happens there, right? Yep. So, uh, while the travel may be simple, it's not without its dangers. That's important, right? Uh, caution to even the strongest adventurers. For the multiverse is vast, and even gods perish. Yep. That's important. (laughs) These threats are endless. Uh, All. All this and more await the characters to seek to ride a spell jammer. It's worth noting that it is recommended to keep the cosmology similar to that of our own solar system, such as round planets, a revolution around the planet, or sun being uh, a year, yada yada. Now, if your homebrew worlds are flat, maybe all of the worlds are flat, but I don't think you need to specifically stick to this.
2: I mean, what to stop you from g- going to like a crystal sphere that has a oh I don't know a flat world in the back of four elephants in the back of a giant turtle? Just saying. <laughs> that's oddly specific. It is. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Break through a crystal wall. Frisbees. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, what do you think the reason
1: for that is? Consistency. And assumptions, right? Yep. I think that's a a, a big one. Is the assumption, right? Because um, otherwise, you have to constantly re- constantly reiterate ah. that this is different. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, let's go to this place on the other side of the planet. Um Gravity only pulls you down and the planet's flat, so you can't go to the other side. You know what I mean? Or there's a giant turtle snapping turtle that'll eat you, I guess. I don't know. Um What are some other potential reasons uh why you would want to avoid changing the kind of standard cosmology of round planets, for instance? Let's work. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I'm down for that. Let's work. <laughs> I was thinking uh, difficulty in maps. That's a good one. It's easier to make uh, standardized maps, right? So a lot of different reasons. That's just what they recommend. It's not necessarily something that you have to do, right? No. Um. Also, kudos to Ed for loving Dark Sun. Um, I I think that that's, that's great. He says 5e doesn't do psionics well. I think that is a design flaw not a failure of the system. So, question for you guys. Yes. How do I get my characters into space?
2: Well, it's am like you need a spell jammer for one thing.
1: Well, that's a good start, but you got to <laughs> kind of get to that point, right? So, yeah. um, the first challenge for uh, any GM trying to introduce the... The, the whole Spelljammer scene, especially if you're already running a campaign, is the long-standing barrier to introduce space travel to the fantasy characters in a fun and, honestly, natural way. You don't want it to be forced. Now, no. this tends to work best um, when there are little to no uh, knowledge of space travel at the start of the campaign. That's interesting. Though, so, why do you think that is? Why do you think that it's best if they don't aren't aware of it to begin with?
2: So the players can learn about it as they go along.
1: Maybe space is too dangerous for lower level uh, characters. Definitely. I think uh, Ian's right on there because the fun of discovery in lore and exploration pillars, Mm -hmm. I think, are the two most underrated pillars. And not knowing about it when it starts makes for a wondrous kind of experience to describe for the first time. How many times have you had a dungeon described to you? How many times have you seen a mountain described to you? Enough. Stars and planets? never right and but that <laughs> makes it more exciting right mm-hmm. um so uh now that doesn't mean that there can't be ancient oral lore or paintings or texts that reference rare travelers but it should be a new discovery to get the most out of your you know first delve into spell jammer i think the greatest connection outright is something that we all love mind flayers yep because we know they come from the far realm well, what the hell is that
2: same could be said so for the or it gets or the gets Yankee. <laughs>
1: you shut your yeah, – actually, he's right. Something that's a thousand light years away. <laughs> yeah, right. They rifts, these r- teleportation rifts kind of open up and they kind of just yep. – they come through, that, right? I
0: was just thinking about that because you, um, you, you were saying how many times have you had stars or planets inscribed to you? And my thought was like, well, it's still going to be the same thing. You got, what, blue, green, red stars, all these different planets that you can say, oh, this one's grassy, this one's gassy and all, all that sort of stuff. Grassy and, and gassy? Then I start thinking, what if there was a star that did a, a dance with its planets in a perfect loop with a black hole, and, oh, it they, never get, awesome. and they never get sucked up?
1: And then their, their dust, or their cosmic dust, makes one black one and one white one, so it looks like a giant peace sign, or a yin-yang symbol. <laughs> they infinitely circling each other. Now, what if on rare occasions those two planets or, or stars connect and some cosmic event happens maybe maybe the crystal sphere shatters when that happens allowing an illithids or mind flayers oh my god I'm loving this just talking about it is awesome
0: that's not a bad, a bad <laughs> thought what
1: do you do if you get lost you start a show in space <laughs> it lost no oh, shut up <laughs> 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 so what the fuck oh yeah, that's right it's a tv show i'm having to sleep and even i picked up on that <laughs> it, it's it's no different than if you get lost in a large forest but instead of trees blocking your way it's infinite expanse of nothing and flying whales exactly you get lost in the
0: woods like okay i know my house is somewhere on this planet and i'm gonna find it
1: <laughs> but you're how do you know you're on the same plane of existence that's what happens with know. the Feywild wild all the time right yeah little rifts open they stumble through but you're right. It would be significantly more difficult without like a star chart or some sort of magical uh, uh, sextant, right? Yep. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of. I, I'm. Tr- we're trying. We're doing pretty good on the conversation. We want to keep it rolling, though.
2: Yeah. <laughs> all right. But anyway, once it's learned that the uh, that space is away from the world isn't empty, but a brand new frontier to explore. Well, a lot of players might start trying to figure out how this all works and how you can get up there to the stars. And uh... There's obviously multiple hooks you can use to uh, get things kickstarted.
1: Absolutely. Um, Brandon, if you want, do you want to touch on one of the, the first concepts? And I think <laughs> this is important because the more um, interesting you make this, the more memorable it's going to be. And I think that we, there's a couple traditional ways that we can do this, starting with the ancient artifacts kind of theory. Yeah, or ancient theory.
0: artifacts, wars uh, in space are not uncommon. Yep. That, oh, I would love to see love to see where you, you do in your spells and you see the whole the old fashioned Star Wars thing, like way in the distance, you see
2: beep 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 beep, 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 beep
0: like <rez margen misfired> the big shot.
2: <laughs> well that's uh, a good point.
1: So so you're still standing <laughs> there and you know on the top of a mountain fighting a dragon, and then you just see these big blasts going off in space. You or look- know, high like, up oh, into like, the
0: sky. Those shooting stars are really weird looking. They're very close. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see, pirate band, slavers and worst worst hunt victims. Yeah. Uh, This means aerial battles between spelljammer ships, which is is going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. Yep. Uh, Such as the Illithid Nautiloid aren't uncommon. Yep. Yeah. Uh, It's reasonable to assume that deep in the abandoned mine lost centuries ago, there is a space vessel frozen in stone.
1: (laughs) Ooh, I like that.
0: Yeah. This ship just waits for a simple repair and perhaps a spellcaster to help the spell jamming throne. Yep. Uh, to jump, on, uh, awesome. jumping, jumping on the helm and getting it going, uh, or oh. starts out as a simple exploration of a dungeon, turns into a perfect introduction
2: into space. What
1: do you yeah. think about that, Ian? Yeah.
2: Actually, yeah, I was even thinking about what if the adventure started by ha- having a pirate spelljammer come in and try to do a raid, and because he underestimated the players, You take it over. Yeah. And you steal oh. it. <laughs> Great. We got a flying ship. How's that work?
1: <laughs> that would be a really great example, uh, way to introduce <laughs> via the Githyanki, right? Yeah, because that's what they do. They're 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 was... xenophobic, right? They hate everyone that doesn't look like them, except for the Gith Zirai who look like them, and they still hate. Yep. Um. So that's a really great idea. They come, they find a new settlement, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's a bigger city, and your characters just happen to be there when they invade. And yep. Oh man, you take the fight to them. You know, oh man, you know. I'm getting serious independence vibes right now. Independence Day? Independence Day. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Where there's a big mothership up there and the characters have to find a way to break down their shields, take over one of the transports, learn how to operate it, fly it into the mothership and blow everything to smithereens. Oh my god, that's awesome. That's also the way it's done in several other shows. Uh, Marvel's Avengers, I'm not calling you out at all for your stolen concept.
0: (laughs) I had a thought that I think would be just perfect. And that is, you're on your own ship, like like out in the ocean. You're sailing along, trying to get from one place to another. You get attacked by pirates. Yep. Okay. They get they get the Yankee, and they're sailing like you are. Mm-hmm. And you do overtake their ship. You take them down. And you're like, yeah, we got this. You got this other ship. And while you're exploring it, as far as the characters know, it's just a boat. It's actually a spelljammer. It's a spelljammer, <sighs> but they think it's a boat until they start finding like user manuals and saying, "The fuck's a spelljammer? <laughs>
1: Right. Now that's actually worth touching on a little bit. Um yep. because the design of a spelljammer is not limited to what we think of as like a spaceship or a flying yep. um galleon. It really depends on the culture that designs the spelljammer. Um which I think is really good. And I'm not sure if we I don't remember if I got wrote that down in here or not. We'll touch on that in a little bit, but you're not really limited to that. So one Ooh. of the cool things is like dwarves flying around in mountains, you know what I mean? That's not an <laughs> ancient alien thing stuff right there all right so let's give uh one more hook before we move on Uh, i want to talk about abduction i think this is a great one as a kid that grew up watching like x files and all these, these sightings and all these crazy alien things having the characters are called to investigate the disappearance of the locals in the realm yep that's already really interesting if you like mysteries right The uh, characters learn that bright lights, crop circles, and other strange happenings uh, are all precursors to this disappearance, right? Yep. Um, Now, using their resources to look for patterns and and spot the next strange appearances, they set up a sort of ambush to the next victim or uh, – what is it when the cops sit outside of somebody's home? A stakeout, right? Yep. They do like a stakeout to watch for these events. Um, upon its arrival, the lights of a large, strange-looking spelljammer vessel appears. Uh, this can lead to the characters slaying it and using it, uh, the, and learning how to use it themselves. Perhaps they st- stole a board to try to rescue whoever's been captured and brought back. Um, to me, this is just a really great way to not only introduce the concept of alien creatures that the players themselves shouldn't really know about, because yep. you can homebrew the shit out of that, right? Oh yeah. Um, or uh, just alien creatures that they might be f- familiar with. I being the most obvious, or not I get Yankee who are used to going and kidnapping people and putting them into servitude, right? Yeah. To fight the illithid, so um, there's a lot of good uh, details there for when it comes to the different sorts of hooks. We have another one. Um, uh, Ian, do you want to blow through that or
2: just? Yep, and also there could be first contact, like be yeah, like traders, diplomats, and so on and so forth, just trying to establish relations to other crystal spheres. And that obviously there could be more than one way to go about that, but that's the only way you can you can.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's a really great one, and that's a definitely com- uh, a fun way to do it. Um, <laughs> for me, uh, I think the uh, idea of them coming in uh, peace, yep. the, as refugees cuz their planet is under attack by somebody else mm-hmm. and was forced to look for a another system that would welcome them, yep, or even just sustain them. Yep. What do you think, B? <laughs> we
0: have come to do trade from other worlds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's exactly how I see that going go down. That's not what happened in Mars attacked. Pretty much. <laughs> nah, not. Nah, 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 nah. We come in peace. We come in peace bust out their lasers and start dusting people. <laughs> I think that doesn't mean what we think it means. <laughs> so, um, uh. in Spelljammer, what kind of life is on other planets? Because that's an important part of Spelljamming, oh, yeah. right? Um, so, many fantasy worlds function the same, right? Uh, they tend to have a variety of similar humanoids, beasts, devils, and more. A native to Neverwinter... Will likely be right at home in Greyhawk or Arthas in most cases. Those are the settings for um, Dark Sun and. Uh, what is Kryn?
2: You just answered your own question.
1: Oh, Kryn is not Greyhawk. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a brain fart there. Though this doesn't have to be the case, uh, you can really let your imagination kind of uh, uh, run wild if you do so. Just do so to choose now. Uh, I, for one, love the idea of each planet's different monster uh, races having kind of their own planet. So, a planet full of sentient ooze. That just sounds awesome to me. Yep. And not because I'm a big fan of Venom, and now on that planet, if you land, they literally try to use you as m- meat bodies.
2: <laughs> just so that they
1: can, you know, have a form. Yep. How terrifying would that be as a player to just land on it? They they get you all comfortable. They're they're smart. They're sentient. They talk to you, and then when you're about to be greeted, they just swarm you and take over your bodies. Now you have to play other adventurers who have to go seek out the ones that disappeared. Yep.
0: No, just, there's just a never-ending. Oh yeah, story with spew this of diarrhea. Here. Right, <laughs> just keeps going and
1: going. But I, but that's the, that's what makes Spelljammer so interesting. I think is you have a reason to be able to change the world so drastically that not only do the players not know what's going to happen, you can do things you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Yep. Um, in uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, books by Brandon Sanderson. And in one of my favorite ones, he experimented with, you know, space flight, where in it, one of the creatures are from – are a – sentient crystals and somebody's mentioned the grow ed's mentioning growing crystals which me: of they're sentient crystals and the way they survive is different than any other creature because they're crystals they're slow moving and that that means that players that land on there may not know that mm-hmm. start mining them because they're valuable Yep. As like a power source or arcane focus. (laughs) They're just
0: doing doing a genocide
1: by accident. But it's mass genocide. (laughs) Yep. Because they don't know. And I think that happened in Star Trek too, didn't they? They destroyed a planet that had these little creatures on it that they didn't know were living. And when they finally learned to communicate with these crystals that glow light, they started referring to people as uh, bags of mostly water or some meat bags full of mostly water or whatever. (laughs) Anyways. So, but once again, that's what makes it fun um brandon do you want to expand on life on other planets there Uh, life on other planets now it can be a lot of work to
0: fully flesh out the world with unique monsters Mm -hmm. uh the nature of spelljammer means this is even more work for you
1: (laughs) yay Yay. (laughs) (laughs) ugly bags of mostly water thank you
0: (laughs) yeah we recommend that you start with normal monsters that you already have yeah and just toss them into a different scenario for example, we I expect to see planet. giant whales swimming in the sea. Why not have them swimming in the clouds of another world? Or Dude. perhaps a world where dinosaurs are primary sentient creatures. What Doing business head? with a velociraptor. What the <laughs> yeah. It's like, how <laughs> much Really?
1: That's the best you've got. It's five gold. <laughs> five denaris. <laughs> five skulls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the the, 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 the uh, savage humans are the the, the currency. <laughs> no years. dragons,
0: no dragons, just dinosaurs. Not <laughs> even humanoid. Uh, the world would be designed for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, there are humanoids, but perhaps they are primitive, lack complex like speech, and are just used <laughs> as general labor. <laughs> the multiverse is quite literally anything you want to be. Want it to be. Hell, you can even toss your. Characters into the world of your favorite disney show
1: uh kingdom hearts oh my god yes <laughs> kingdom hearts is a spell jammer campaign if i ever saw one pretty much that makes sense right because the characters sense, don't man. match they all look <laughs> way different yep but they go to all these different worlds and they go through these little alien spaceship gummy ships
0: man and you really want to make monsters for other worlds just just a random thought uh there's what 300 pages in the monster manual
1: yep mm-hmm. okay 300 monsters or so i wouldn't say 300 pages 300 monsters i don't know how many pages it is but anyways
0: okay so uh roll some percentile die or uh whatever die you need to generate the page numbers mm-hmm. the first roll is the head the second roll is the body the next roll is the legs there you go you have a alien creature that's uh, awesome.
1: Yeah, I don't know about the stat blocks. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out yourself. <laughs> do what I do. Just make it up on the fly and uh, hope for the best. That's just hard. Yep. Visit Luigi's Bar. Laughing Beholder. That's awesome. <laughs> um. So... If you're not sure what to fill your multiverse with, um, consider starting with existing D&D monster campaign mixed with your own homebrew rules, right? Yep. Then kind of branch out from there, right? We all do our own homebrew at some extent, right? Yep. Because honestly, it's a lot of work to learn the lore of an existing world that your players might already know, which is why, Troy, if you're listening and or watching this, you always drove me nuts. (laughs) You know you're going to see him on the 6th, right? I hope he doesn't watch this or listen to this. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I, I, I really struggled to play with him when I was playing Forgotten Realms. Because I was like, man, if I make a change here, he's going to just call me out on it. <laughs> Anyways, so um, we did cover six different worlds that were very well fleshed out by Wizards of the Coast in episode 222, Plane Shift. Which was really great. It had plenty of great worlds from the Magic Gathered setting. Uh, Obviously, seven if you uh, you count Ravnica.
2: Yeah, so we got a year ago then. Hmm.
1: Yeah, so um, it's really great because it gives you all the outlines, but none of the fleshed out details. So it says, here's some monsters, here's the setting. This giant madness disease is overrunning this world. So when they arrive, they instantly have to deal with what? Their crap. Yeah, fighting something that is... Not that they see, that just alters their perceptions, which totally means it's going to change the way the natives behave yep. versus and the way the characters behave as soon as they land, which I think is great. Of course, then you have to deal with, oh, okay, if they land, is their ship going to stay there? <laughs> like, how are you going to deal with that, right? All right, so uh, I mentioned briefly about ships, uh, Ian. So what kind of ships are there as Spelljammer ships?
2: There's kind of a huge variety. We touched on that quite a bit. But like uh, like most people, uh, like picture like, like, like uh, sailing vessels, but that's hardly the only option out there. Like with the, all the different worlds and aliens out there, you have that m- many options, really, when you think about it. Like, uh, like as we kind of touched on, dwarves could have like uh, Flying Mountain Citadels, or the yes! or elves could have like grown... Their ships from trees to look like a massive butterfly.
1: I love that. What are, what are some unique race uh, uh, mechanics you would have for – or ship styles you would have for a different – Like, I'm thinking yeah. orc. You know what What I think of a space-flying orc? Just a giant sword. It's just a giant sword that <laughs> flies through the air. Oh, oh, spear.
2: It'd be a spear. I think the orcs in Warhammer for k basically fly around in giant rocks in the ship of Skulls and crash into the planets <laughs> – See what a better way. What are the what, what a
1: fantastic way to spread yeah.
2: your seed? Gnome side wheelers with giant space hamsters on wheels. <laughs> <laughs>
1: gnomes, that's awesome. I love that. And space ham- hamsters are a thing. There's a creature type I think in Spelljammer <laughs> yeah. that's just those. So now you've got gnomes who are vicious who have enslaved, enslaved, um, enslaved the. Yep. Uh, yep. The little hamster people. And they force them to run on run on the little treadmills.
2: Nothing about Farscape, where the, their ship is actually a cyber, giant cybernetic alien creature. <laughs> that sounds awesome. They, they actually had to deal with, with the fact that she was pregnant for a while.
1: <laughs> that's brutal. Yep. Also, chestbursters
2: need yep. to be in Spelljammer.
1: If that's not in the Spelljammer book when it re- releases on the 16th...
2: I mean, that's kind of what the uh, slots are, so... <laughs> you
1: bastard, that's right. People forget that. (laughs) I do. I forget about slods. Uh, All right. They're xenomorph type creatures.
2: Yes, the slods. Very much.
1: They're just giant xenomorph uh, frogs, I guess.
2: Slods are dicks. Yeah,
1: they are. All right. Mm -hmm. So aside from their unique shape, each spell jammer uh, vessel has two core features that makes it a spell jammer. Yep. First, the atmospheric envelope and then the gravity plane, right? Yep. That really is... Very core because without the atmospheric envelope, flying into space means what? Bursting into flames, I think I said. Well, what did you say? Bursting H- having flames, no air.
0: Having no air. Suffocating.
1: See, explo- what we, got, we, we can literally think of anything we want. You know what I'm going to do? Tell the person the sun. There was an old Stephen, <laughs> uh, Stephen King book. I think it was Stephen King book I wrote where the a plane went through and back in time. And then you had these little things that were eaten time. So the past didn't actually exist. What if when you go to space, you just get eaten by giant shadowy creatures? Like, that's why you need the atmospheric scoop. That's fucking terrifying. Atmospheric uh, envelope. Anyway, so the atmospheric envelope is what allows the creatures to stand on the deck in space and not suffer negative effects um, that would otherwise have on it. It noticeably doesn't say what happens, so I guess you leave that to you. This is particularly of note that not every envelope is designed for every creature type. Nope. That's important. Why do you think that's important, Brandon? They, I have no idea. Creature types have different atmospheric envelopes because they breathe different, might breathe different chemicals. Oh, so, yeah, what is something you have to consider when you try to board an enemy ship?
2: Can you survive? Might
1: you yeah,
0: Maybe like taking that. an acid damage every.
1: Could you turn? imagine how horrible that would be?
2: Let like the grunts in Halo breathe methane, for example. I didn't know that. That's why they always wear the gas mask yeah, all the time. That's so why they wear
1: masks. Huh. That's
2: why they have those giant
0: tanks on their back? That's methane tanks.
1: I had no idea. That's hilarious that I played so many Halo and didn't know that's that. That's why dance. they explode when you hit them. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that all makes sense now.
2: <laughs> Justin's brain finally catching up yeah. to 20 years of playing Halo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm now thinking about, very off topic, when a reviewer was talking about Halo 3. He's like, we finally found out the main Master Chief's name is John. Everybody in the comment session, everybody who read the books already knew that you jackwagon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny. I have to give a huge shout out to Dulcinea. Stars are just celestial beings keeping monsters at bay. I love that. Just, and in fact mm, what? I had a thought
0: similar to that. Not not the, the celestial beings keep the monsters at bay, but the fact that there's like there's gargantuan monsters that float through space that are just very dangerous encounters terrifying encounters like uh let's say you're you're on his your bell right and you're going along you look up and you see a planet passing by mm-hmm. you look down you look back up and it's not there no more instead it's like way back here that's because you're being followed by a leviathan false hydro and you keep forgetting everything
1: oh my goodness <laughs> that's awesome i love it anyway so Me. the last thing i want to touch on is the core feature of the gravity plane which generates a gravity field. <laughs> what do you think the number, the 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 importance of this is in a spell jammer? To what?
0: Well, the importance of gravity? Yeah. That seems pretty rhetorical. Okay, how so? Uh, you need gravity to move
2: about. Yep. Doesn't it depend on who you are? And the probably use gravity to move your ship too.
1: I don't know. It doesn't really say about that. That's well, interesting. What? Well, Magical propulsion via gravity.
2: Yeah, I could, I could pick that being used for that purpose.
1: Hmm. How about as a weapon? Yes! Everyone on the ship has spider climb. They can move about the base once gravity's off. Or, maybe maybe you're some gifts, and you have really high strength, so you triple the gravity so everyone else that's invading moves slower. Yep. Okay. Well, that, that works well. Gotta use what you got, baby. Gotta use what you got. Now, we've been on this... Are, are you guys excited for Spelljammer? Yeah. yes were you excited excited for it before we started this conversation
2: yeah yeah
0: okay i'm a little more excited because <laughs> i didn't know much about it yes. but now i know more
2: about it
1: like that sounds so much more fun
2: i think i read it more about it years ago but okay. i kind of get did like a quick refresher before you started too so
1: mm-hmm. oh my or god astral if murderoids space, space mimics, mimics. <laughs> oh my goodness asteroids that are mimics <laughs> No. <laughs> like pac-man <laughs> space pac-man <laughs> wobble wobble, <laughs> wobble 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 and all the little pellets are spell jammers flying through an asteroid we're field you wear the
0: asteroid sir that's no asteroid
2: <laughs> that's no moon that's no moon that's your mama
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I got on that gravity thing or thoughts uh, like elephants mind players. They're, they're, they're squid beings, right? Mm-hmm. They have suction cups. Mm-hmm. They, they just yeah. they turn the gravity off, watch people float
1: up and just turn it on. Think about that. If you landed <laughs> – I mean as a player, how frustrating would it be to land on the deck of a ship, not be able to breathe, and be stuck under indefinite levitate effect?
2: Yeah. You fuck, fuck,
1: fuck, fuck, fuck. You just float like, off off? That just – I mean all they have to do is Eldritch blast your ass right out of the, the envelope into space. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. It becomes so much more deadly.
2: Yep.
0: Oh, Dalcinia, you you give me a really good idea for... What's that? Speaking of space mimics, House Hunter as a ship. The freaking ship is a mimic. And it's empty, and the players have to traverse a floating graveyard
2: to find out why.
1: That's awesome! I love it. I love it. I love it.
2: Alright. Yep, we touched on that earlier with the... Spelljammer itself, which is yep. a giant mana ray. Yep.
1: I'm yep. super excited for this, so I hope yep. everyone is ready to set sail for the stars August 16th when Spelljammer Adventures in Space comes out. The oh thrilling space-based Thanks. adventure Thanks. setting presents the Astral... We didn't talk about what space is.
2: No, we didn't.
1: In 2nd uh, edition and in 5th edition... The astral plane isn't a plane of existence. Nope. It is the area between worlds. Space is the astral plane. So I'm excited to see what changes or how they they (laughs) describe that in the book. Because we already know it's another plane of existence. (laughs) What if this whole time it's just space and they treat it as a different plane? Yep. Right?
0: You're just sailing along the astral plane and you see a a sudden... (laughs) And you see one floating person because they put a a hole in a bag of holding.
1: Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, I really enjoy this. I'm really out. excited Shit. for this. Um, I hope that you guys will all stick around when no. we uh, cover it again because um, we're obviously going to delve into the actual books once they come out. Yeah. This lore we did pull from the second edition book. Um, there's no reason to believe any much of that is going to change. I mean it's already a well-defined setting. Woo. So is there any other points you want to touch on before we move on through this? Re-
2: Oh. Uh, oh, the Floggaston. That's what that area of space is in between the crystal spheres.
1: <laughs> Floggaston? Yeah. That sounds dirty. <laughs> I got caught in the Flogistan.
2: It's also a bright combustible green gas.
0: <laughs> okay. Before we... What? I was going to say the video I was watching to catch up on Spelljammer. The guy was uh, reviewing the new minis that are going to come out for it. And one of them is a uh, gargantuan gelatinous cube. Yeah, Could you imagine sailing into <laughs> one gelatinous, of those in space giant gelatinous cubes. You sailing basket, all, aren't all they? Just like yes boop. they are.
1: <laughs> Our uh, like plane her. Shifters game, they just ran into uh g- giant gelatinous cubes that were a CR10 and how how did that go for you guys?
2: Well, for me it went quite, quite, quite well, Austin not so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, a planet like Sakar that is all exploded. <laughs> packs of holding items in a big trash heap that's hilarious
2: yeah
1: all right so before we close (laughs) out or before we move on to our honor tips and tricks um we have to give uh, a huge shout out to our sponsor we have those yeah we do Bardley.io, anybody that's watched our live plays um, that we do, we have really wonderful music. Bardley.io has an amazing collection of audio of just a massive situations um, that you can use for your tabletop games. I mean, going from the traditional – chase in the urban setting chase in a dungeon chase in a forest chase in a swamp how about planning an adventure in a city planning an adventure planning your next move in a dungeon planning your next move in a forest just a nice fey wild experience how about layer it's nice it's it's a huge collection um and it's so wonderful and it just it continually loops you send a link and all the players can hear it through their headset and adjust the volume of their own, um, which is super convenient. But it's super yeah. easy to create a multitude of playlists um, and se- separate them even by campaign or by location. I mean, you're talking hundreds of, hundreds of uh, different sounds that just loop endlessly, and it is glorious.
2: I'm not thinking about the possibilities in the Spell Journey campaign, Play the crap back that you hear on radio telescopes oh that's
0: awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right the, the bardley's nice because uh you remember <laughs> remember when uh garwin we were all we were all resting mm-hmm. uh, and, and garwin was talking about his past and his history the mix of your music and his past it made me cry i was like
1: oh my god <laughs> it's so sad <laughs> and, and there's so much stuff and yeah. i mean they've got music <laughs> that is for action intensify or somebody being hurt so when somebody's like down you can change the combat music to match that 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 feeling that Someone's tension dying. which is awesome so highly recommend checking it out um you can take it for a spend uh for free bardley.io it still has lots of options even for the free um access or you can create an account and try it for seven days and get access to everything um but if you do decide to uh subscribe to it for a few dollars a month you can use uh, special promo code ca50 to save 50 percent on your first two months I highly recommend it. It is totally worth it. Now that's, uh, I use it every time I play.
0: That's CA50, not yeah. not the word 50. It's 50. Yeah. CA50.
1: Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> are you just assuming you, that all audio of our only... uh, people are dumb? Yes. You, yeah. That is a safe assumption. <laughs> <laughs> we love you all, but let's be yes, honest. Girl, we're we're lagging a lot. We're I mean, when you listen to an like, audio
2: only format instead of using texts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And now, what you've all been waiting for, our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs.
1: Our <laughs> monster variant is the Dust Empress. Now, for our, our players or our patrons, we do these monthly, uh, you know, little one page kind of continuing campaign things. And I wanted to do a higher level one, so we chose to create the Dust Empress based on the Solar, which is a CR-21, I think. It's a big and bad, right? And an angel. Yeah, not in this sense. <laughs> but yes, it's a very powerful angel. So first features you're going to get rid of is the Flying Sword, the spell list, the Slaying Bow, the Angelic Weapons. Um, we're going to change Angelic Weapons to Desert's Wrath, um, and it's going to do fire damage instead of... Uh, Flashing. Radiant, I think is what it is. That too. Um, And then we're going to get rid of Healing Touch. We don't want it healing nothing. We ain't no good with that. Next thing we're going to do is we're going to give it a new spell list. Um, I've got a nice spell list here, but basically you want to pick up anything that's desert-related. I do, like, uh, Move Earth. I do Invisibility, Blight, um, and, of course, Detect Good and Evil are the options I chose. Of course, Earthquake and Imprisonment are the other ones because... Uh, imprisonment uh, sarcophagus casting over top of somebody. How desert awesome is that?
2: That'd be pretty awesome.
1: Um, next, of course, if you want to follow that uh, very much, that Egyptian desert theme, uh, a sand shroud of a whirling twister that's just always around this character and affects anybody that gets too close, um, which is great. It I think it uh, imposes disadvantage on ranged attacks. Yep. Um, while you're in that area, which makes it hard to to fight her. Um, we're going to give her a very unique uh, ability called drought, <laughs> which basically is a ranged and melee spell attack. That basically sucks the fluids out of a character. So not only does it do ridiculous damage, um, but if the character is hit by this attack twice, it is going to impose a, a DC-23 constitution save or gain a level of exhaustion.
2: I just want to point out the attack for this thing. is 15, just saying. Yes,
1: I mean, it's a CR-21. <laughs> it's going to wreck your shit. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> Um on top of that we're gonna give it Sand Slash, which does recharge on a five or six, basically allows it to to shoot out a, a massive uh uh fifteen foot radius uh, burst of razor sharp energy, doing a brutal slashing damage um on the characters, which is necessary. But my favorite move my favorite move is totally inspired by the Wraith, I think, which creates the um the Spectres Upon Death, right? Yep. So the idea of this character having minions and as they fall, raising them up as a Cursed Defilers, which is a Tome of Beast monster, which is basically like a walking Cursed Mummy type creature. Yeah. Which is awesome. Curse. (laughs) Which is brutal and so much fun. What do you guys think about this?
2: This thing be dangerous. I'm going to rub some dirt in your eye. (laughs) (laughs) Pocket thing.
1: Um, <laughs> the <bucket's
2: in.
1: laughs> is that like the blinding thing yeah that's pull, funny um obviously this it is a, a powerful creature cr21 yeah it could we're talking you know a god level you know entity right yeah um if you want the whole stat block and all the lore and knowledge checks that go with it you can become a patron and get this along with all the other ones that we make on a very a weekly basis uh. That'll do it for our monster of the podcast. Can we – let's t- discuss the encounter coin in the fountain. Brandon, fountain. would you like to tell us about that?
0: Uh, yeah, sure. The character stumble upon an ornately carved wall fountain of a lion's head. Mm. Uh, its jaws are open G-C. and its mouth is filled with fresh, clean water and a tempting golden coin.
1: Mm. Okay, let's just imagine A this. tempting gold coin. Desert theme, right? Yep. That water is going to be very tempting.
2: Yeah. So's money. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Money water, and fresh refre- refre- refreshments? Hell yeah.
0: The water flows like slobber through the lion's teeth. <laughs> over its lips and trickles into a small basin shaped like a food dish on the floor below. <laughs> uh, simple trap, level 1 through 4. Dangerous threat. <laughs> <laughs> It'll kill level 1 through 4. Simple trap. It I'm looks bad. delicious. Target, uh, trigger. The creature attempts to take the coin. That I doesn't mean if they drink, if they try to take the coin. Yep. Ah.
2: Effect. Teach a false sense of security.
0: When a creature attempts to take the coin, the lion's jaws animate and clamp shut. The triggering creature must must make a DC seventeen dexterity saving throw. Uh taking eleven.
1: It's so brutal at that level.
0: Yeah. One through four. Taking eleven. Or two D ten piercing Yeah, that's bad. Taking two D ten piercing damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. In addition DC 17?
1: Damn. Yeah. Die, bitches.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, has much successful. In addition, the lion's bust is magically animated and attacks any adjacent creature with its powerful jaws. It comes
1: alive and eats you, too.
0: <laughs> Each attack has a plus 8 attack plus eight attack bonus and deals 11 <sighs> 2d10 piercing damage on a hit. The lion has a movement of 0 and it can attack twice per turn on initiative count 20. 20. It is. It has an AC of seventeen with eighteen hit points. Now I start. Now I see why it's it's got the balance because it can't move.
2: Yes. So, so it actually makes it relatively easy to kill. Yeah. So if you're getting Walk killed by
0: a thing, it. it's your fucking fault.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it needed a high damage and a high uh, save because it can't go nowhere. So it's gonna hit somebody once. Yep. Holy shit! And that's pretty much yep. it. But at that level, it could kill somebody. Yep. It could kill a character. Surprise! Surprise! Motherfucker!
0: <laughs> With frost. <laughs> oh, it's countermeasures.
1: Alright, so there are some countermeasures on here that we can do. Um yeah, they, on a successful intelligence Arcana check, um, a character can reveal the transmutation um spell or gem that animates the trap and can purif that purifies the water. So if the fountain is destroyed, the magic dissipates and the fountain uh becomes inert. <laughs> casting dispel magic or similar magic of third level or higher of the trap disables it as well lots of stuff you can do here creatures who have already taken a drink from the fountain are poisoned until they complete a short or long rest if the gold coin is returned the fountain becomes dormant
2: again so, so i mean, does not get you the water will <laughs> so living it alone is actually might be the best thing to do hmm? nobody's gonna do that
1: um it <laughs> is worth noting that this came out um uh, uh one of the books uh that we were happy to write for, Jarlaxel's Guide to Traps. Uh, I love this. It's full of dangers and deadly things oh, that will kill your players. It's
0: Jarlaxle? characters. They're yep.
1: characters, not your players. That's all Jarlaxel. Yep. It's Jarlaxel. Which is a very prominent character in the Dritz series. So all right, that'll do it for our encounter. Our magic item is
2: Hush. Which Little is
1: maybe don't say a word. Sorry. <laughs>
2: It is a, any bow, and it's uncommon. The Hush is a unique bow design. It uses string and pulleys for leverage for higher build tension than is what's is needed to draw, draw back the bow. In addition... Yeah, has a compound bow. It's a compound bow? Hey, you sh- Hush! Okay. In, in addition to the unique design <laughs> that almost eliminates a typical sound release when the arrow is loosed. And when you make a range attack, the, I guess a creature that's unaware of you and who hasn't taken a turn yet in initiative... You can add your proficiency bows to the attack damage roll. And in addition, if you miss with the attack from hiding, you may make a stealth check contested by the target's perception. And if you win, you're still hidden. Isn't that awesome? Yeah.
1: We need more bows. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's all it is. It's very simple because that is something that's necessary. It's basically a bow with a silencer. I should have called it the 007, the 00 hush.
2: Double <laughs> hush.
1: <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for our arm. What do you guys think about this? Pretty cool?
0: Yeah. I do like it. I, I think it could be used in a, such a way. I have a thought on uh, compound bows and recurves, but I don't know how to apply to this because there's no effect for a recurve bow in D&D. And that is, if you have a recurve bow and you pull it back, it's heavy and you have to hold it and you, the whole time. Compound bow, once you get to a certain point, it's like pulling Super back up a pound. Mhm. Like, maybe uh, it's I don't got pulleys on it. Yes, yeah. that's awesome. I like it. Uh,
1: all right, I think that'll do it for our magic item. Hush. Our dungeon master tip of the podcast it, The Hush Bow? It doesn't actually have a name. The Hush. That's its name. Quiet. The hu- that's quiet. The Hush Bow? Yeah. The Hush.
2: The Hush. Anyway, <laughs>
1: because every time you shoot somebody with it, they're shh. <sighs> <laughs> Get it? It silences them. That's why it's called the Hush. (laughs) It's Sleepy time. (laughs) (laughs) Our Dungeon Master tip is the five-second rule. One of the reasons players tune out is because they don't think they have to pay attention when it isn't their turn. Yeah. Do you guys agree with that statement? Yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. In such cases, when it comes to their turn they will require a recap of the entire situation and then decide what to do on their turn. The speed bump, then, is increasing the amount of time other players have to wait before it becomes their turn. The antidote for this is the harsh but fair five-second rule. When it comes to a player's turn, they have five seconds to start describing what they're going to do. If the player cannot decide with those five seconds, the character takes the dodge action. Brutal. The rule makes sense narratively because the fights don't typically involve long drawn out periods of deliberation. Um, Additionally, it can help reinforce the notion that the players need to know the rules. If a player doesn't know what a spell or class feature does when it comes to their turn, they can't use it because they've run out of time trying to figure it out. Furthermore, the five-second rule isn't, an un- isn't as unforgiving as it might appear at face value. For one, the defensive bonuses of the dodge action shouldn't be scoffed at. More importantly, the player has the, turn, uh, has the turns of all the other players to decide what they're going to do when it comes to them. Despite these factors there are bound to be an adjustment period for majority of players. When the five second rule is implemented, allow some leniency at first, especially for newer players. This comes from Dritz Doerden's guide to combat.
2: Yep. And I can definitely see why sometimes it might take a little bit longer than five seconds. If like the person's previous move completely changes everything that was going on as well. That's, what I was that's thinking. true.
1: And that's going to happen, right? Yep. But as a DM, you can make that, right. you know, distinction generally. It-
2: and something I see that's pretty common, too, is every time a DM says it's your turn, I've seen some say, and you're on deck. You're next.
1: That's true, and that does help.
2: And the other bonus, too, is when you keep things moving along, it kind of go faster. Therefore, it gives less time for the players to lose interest, too. So
1: Yeah, that's definitely true.
0: That's what I do. I, I do the, uh, hey, it's your turn, so-and-so's on deck. Yes, uh, I'll, look, just, I'll look at them and make sure they look back at me when I say that.
1: I can't keep up with that.
0: Because I'll, I'll have a person that will be sitting there that will be looking at something on their character sheet. I'm like, hey, Astrid. Astrid, huh? You're on deck. I'm like, okay,
1: I got it. Yep, That definitely helps. And that would be a good addition to this five-second rule. I think five seconds seems a little punishing. I think, you know, 10 to 20 is probably better. Yep. Um, But that's right. Like, that's one of the benefits yep. of playing a fighter. I'm either going to attack. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to move and attack. I'm going to attack, then move. Yep. I'm yep. going to grapple somebody and move. Yep. I'm going to move and then grapple somebody and shove somebody i'm gonna move
2: <laughs> i mean with all that stuff there, it's kind of actually why in clash of classes now i'll admit sometimes i'm not done the best job enforcing this where we have the one minute mm-hmm. countdown timer like you have this time to do your move now Granted, that one minute doesn't take into account questions player may have or, or interactions. but
1: And, and that's a good which is, point.
2: Which is one of the reasons why we don't necessarily enforce it hard. Right. But
1: I think the bigger th- pressure of having a timer is that they're going to think about what they want to do. Okay, in this situation, I want to cast a spell. <laughs> yep. Which spell do I want to cast? Uh, I want to cast this one.
2: Yep. Or I remember like years ago in a Star Wars minis tournament where there was, like a, what was a long period of time, like, I do not know what to do. And this was like for multiple minutes on end, and it was actually clearly frustrating the other player. And I pissed him off even more though when the judge said, One minute! And when Sly knew like one minute left the entire round, I saw with rapid fire actions. He's like, You could not decide what to do for the longest time when you're told one minute. You could fight Sly so you does eight, nine things. I'm like, I was like, Wasn't there more pressure? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sometimes pressure does uh, make no difference. There was a time there when I was playing fourth edition where I had a one minute timer. Do you remember that?
2: Yeah, I used to I turn do. that.
1: Um, and that was one of my tools because fourth edition combat was so long because it was so tactical.
2: Well, well that, and some of the the way they just were balanced out initially didn't help either.
1: Right. Right. So overall, I think this is a really good idea. Definitely play with it. See what fits your team, read the room. It's Mm -hmm. always important as a dungeon master, but I think it's a good idea. Um, especially if you have a lot of players, if you're running, you know, three or four players, the faster you can get the combat, the more combat you can do. Yep. In a game, which honestly is beneficial because some people really like that part. Um, so if you get it to where everyone's rapid fire, that's why I love playing games like Celesta. When I'm playing Celesta, the combat just flies by. It takes me, you know, 15 seconds to make a decision.
2: Well, that and your one player controlling your entire party instead of four people controlling. Right. Four but
1: even, even when I'm playing another uh, other characters, when yeah. it comes to that character, it's a cleric. I know what the cleric can do. There's three guys near me. He's going to go at cast guiding bolt on this one yep and then move out of range that's it but i'm an experienced player so that goes a little quicker i guess all right yeah that'll do it for our dungeon master tip our player tip of the podcast is There'll don't be, be a dick. finishing move
0: <laughs> sorry uh everyone knows the catchphrase how do you want to do this and i i love hate it depending on my mood <laughs> i just say how's it die
1: I think, uh, how does it end is what I use.
0: Yep. <laughs> how does it end? Finishing off bosses or strong foes can be a rewarding experience. Mm-hmm. Finally slaying that dragon that almost killed your party should be epic. Yes! To make a finishing move stand out, <laughs> you need to take in consideration things that have happened earlier in combat and the physique of the monster. True. Think about how you would kill the creature. Hit it in the weak spot. An extremely large creature like a giant or a dragon needs stab it in its ankle. <laughs> or climbed upon to be killed perhaps a cool or lame catchphrase or pun is needed to seal the deal
1: mm. for sure
2: i'm gonna it, keep a counter by the way it would of what i mean even i said during on friday it would seem i did see the elephant in the room
1: oh, you bastard. Uh, they were fighting a loxodon that turned into a fly and it was trying to get away, and he blasted it out of the air. It lost its fly ability, and it fell to its death in lava. <laughs> and it got rid of all of my pixies who had turned into T-Rexes.
2: Because <laughs> because the Lexan so, so Pixies that. that turn into T-Rexes.
1: Yeah, they have polymorph.
2: Even though that's actually not how polymorph works. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't have a problem with that. You had DM Fiat. <laughs> I'm just saying raw. That's what not did how I, it works. What did I do wrong? You can only polymorph a creature into something of a matching CR. And pi- if pixies are only one fourth. Yeah. The combo you're thinking of involves having pixies summoning them and having using them to polymorph the players into T Rexes. I'm gonna accept DM fiat on that one. Yes. <laughs> okay. uh, so, yes, Anyways, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah.
1: you got an example here? Oh uh, fuck. Um. That's not an example. I think you're looking for fatality. Yeah. Fatality. Wrong f word. <laughs>
2: Finish him.
1: That one too. Well, uh, we can take inspiration from games like Mortal Kombat or Killer Instinct, right? right? Yep. I, Ultra Combo. <laughs> just imagine that if your player just described him uh, grabbing his hat with a razor blade and splitting a character from head to groin as they drop down on their knees and slowly split, split apart. Dude, you know what
0: I've noticed about this is as as dungeon masters, when we describe these things, especially with players who don't like doing it. I'll I'll look at one of my players, like okay how how does how does it die how do you kill it? Like I uh, I take my my last hand axe and I throw it and it hits them in the head. It's like okay so I'll take it over and be like the axe tumbles end over end through the air and it hits that soft spot that the last axe that you threw and it hit the handle on their head and when it hits their head their head splits in half you watch their brain fly out as it fall down to the ground and you got two halves of a head dangling. Saying shit like that is getting them to say shit like that. Absolutely. They're starting to evolve into yep. it. It's so fucking cool to hear all their ideas.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's – but that's that's the beauty of it, right?
0: Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, how's it end? I take my hand and I blow his head out of his ass.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like, I like what you did there, though. So they gave you a short description and then you enhanced it. Yeah. Because now you're basically giving them an example of what they could do, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that that's really cool we have an example on here but I think that what we just talked about probably covers it right
0: yeah oh.
1: <laughs> um, now this does come from flavoring combat a simple guide to players and dms I think it's a really powerful tool remember that part of the fun of the game is you know getting creative as a player too not just with your I swing my sword but I do a horizontal slash removing uh its left arm holding its blade I do a somersault and then a kick that kicks the blade falling in the air back into his skull. It's way cooler than a job off his head. <laughs> Anyways. That'll do it for our player tip. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick! And you can avoid dickitude by doing awesome finishing moves. By finishing. <laughs> Remember, just watch watch the string of, of fatalities in, in Mortal Kombat. There's You'll get some good ideas. <laughs> Describe the Bone crunching slam into their jaw, you can hear it shatter and their jaw just goes
2: limp. X-ray vision. <laughs> Apparently they, they just to the finish the fishing by drawing stick figures first. <laughs> and then the it realistically device. <laughs> <laughs> I find that it really helps when you just pick a, a, a
1: component of their body. Like obviously a beholder going for their eye just makes sense, but how about going to their eye through the bottom of their mouth? That's way more cool.
0: Every time you say, like, going for, like, body parts, I imagine, uh, Quan Chi, his fatality or rip people's legs off just beat them with it.
1: That is awesome, and I'm totally stealing that for every barbarian <laughs> I run moving forward.
0: <laughs> Who does Pushes them over, grabs a leg, steps on their groin, and just starts beating them to death with it.
1: <laughs> All right. Today, our RPG Fat Loot giveaway, Crit Academy Classics Bundle. Woo! From our generous mystery sponsor. Now, inside you will find all the tools that you need to enhance your D&D games. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic feats. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic terrain. Yeah. Unearthed tips and tricks. Uh. Weapon perks. (laughs) Woo! Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh.
1: What the fuck? (laughs) That's what happens. A total value of 40 bucks. It says of more, more than 40. More than 40. Whatever. Who's our winner today, Brandon?
0: <laughs> today is oh, yeah. Ultramarine Command. Yeah, congratulations. Um, totally subscribe to uh, was our YouTube, Twitch. Uh, we got our, a, newsletter. our Facebook pages. We got a newsletter. newsletter.
1: Say it again. Subscribe
0: what? to the newsletter, bitch.
1: <laughs> At critacademy.com. Because
0: Justin's an asshole. That's
1: true. Uh, <laughs> all right. That'll do it for our show today. I'm your host, Justin.
0: I'm your host, Ian. I'm your co host, Brandon. Thanks for listening.
1: Keep, Keep your, your blades blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. heroes.
0: What if an astronaut was a D&D nerd and went up to the ISS and is like, I got, brought my dice. Like, that's cool. There's no gravity. Exactly. You can't throw <laughs> You roll the dice. It's like, hang on. Hang on. Keeps spinning. It's like <laughs> goes around in the air. Hang <laughs> on. Zop-zop it's doing it. the DVD thing. Just give it a minute. <laughs> 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 that's funny